This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Coolest podcast in the world. Today, I'm happy to be in here with the one and only Spider Loke. How you doing, my guy? Oh, man. Blessed to be here with the original man. Adam, what's happening? The original man. You've been in this game a lot longer than me. Let's just call it Spade Spade here. I'm just saying, the good book says Adam was the first man. Oh, right, 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 right. That's a good point. Okay. I forgot how biblical my name is sometimes. Yeah, so let's let's just be clear about this. You were a very uh, early member of sort of a, the, a, the the transformation of the West Coast that we've seen. For me, like, I, I just to explain it, I'm from the East Coast. I was a hip-hop junkie, but I was really a G-Unit, just nerd, okay. you know? I was one of those kids. So to me, it was like you coming in the game i was just always mega fascinated by your involvement and everything so i'm very glad that we were in here today doing this interview i appreciate that all right guys just got to take a quick break here from the podcast to do a quick shout out to our sponsor forget everything that you think you know about mobile games because one of the most ambitious rpg projects of 2019 has just been released and it's going to change everything introducing raid shadow legends playing raid is the most immersive experience that you will find on a smartphone and it can only really be compared with the biggest pc and console titles and the best part it's totally free raid has all the features that you would expect from a brand new rpg title like an amazing storyline awesome 3d graphics giant boss fights pv all that good stuff there's over 10 million players worldwide who have downloaded this game in the last six months my favorite uh champion is gallic because i just use cursed blade and i take out four guys at once the thing about this game is that everyone can find something for themselves some love collecting characters and some are all about the deep storyline and graphics the game is going super fast and check out this cool roadmap that they've published they actually have huge plans for updates in this game for over six months so there's infinite content for you to enjoy and no time to get bored. New faction, a tag team arena feature, uh, a even new clan boss. Personally, I think this game is uh, amazing. But you don't have to take my word for it. There's almost 30, no, excuse me, I almost read that wrong. There's 300,000 reviews. What an impossible to imagine number. Raid has almost a perfect score on the Play Store and the game is uh, growing super fast. Uh, you'll definitely want to check this out. So what are you waiting for out there? No Jumper fans, people who want to support this podcast. I suggest that you go to the video description right now. Click on the special link down there. It's right at the top of the description and you will actually get 50,000 silver and a free epic champion as part of the new player program to start your journey. That's right. Just the link down below it's right in the description anyway appreciate y'all show some love to our sponsors let's get back into the spider loke interview definitely so let's talk about the the early days where, where are you actually from i'm actually from compton california as right. far as my birth certificate is concerned born in the town of compton um so i've been a 
actual resident of Compton all my life. However, I did not live in my father's house and he lived in what the world would consider as Watts. Okay. So it was about a 10, 15 minute drive down central and between my mother's and father's house. So I've spent my whole life going in between my mother's and father's house, just spending my time. So I'm from the Compton, Watts, South Central area, East Side. Okay, that's what's up. Um, so early on, what was your your upbringing like? What were you like during I your teen years and such? Teen years. And also, can you try to like speak a little bit more right into okay. it, just because of the fan? I Got just don't you. want to get Got too you. much background audio. Growing up, um, as an adolescent, um, I, I was I lived with my mother, her only child, single mother in Compton. She did her best send me to private school. However, my brothers and my father had no religious affiliation whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to say both influences in my life pretty heavy. So by the time I became a teenager, um, I became a full-fledged gang member, gang banger. Even early teens being a wannabe, it, I eventually jumped all the way off the porch and involved myself in a whole lot of negativity. Mm -hmm. So, so is that that's how you look at it in retrospect? Though it feels like a whole lot of negativity. Oh, it definitely and, was a whole lot. When you end up in um, prison at eighteen, and uh, you watch a lot of your childhood peers die, and you attend a lot of funerals, and you look over the period of time that you spent just hanging and banging, and you realize you you made no progress. Yeah, a lot mm -hmm. of negativity. Well, it's interesting because you know you see two very different outlooks from dudes who make it to you know late thirties, forties. And their perspective on the whole gang thing. A lot of a lot of dudes get older and they still love it, and they're still happy to throw up their signs whenever they can, and they go on to picnics, and they they're still just loving the 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 cultural elements of it, even though you know presumably they're not still on the corner, they're not still at shooting at somebody, whatever. But then a lot of people, you know, they they kind of I was just watching that Mob James interview with DJ Vlad, and it's just so clear that he came out of it with a very different perspective. He feels kind of almost used or victimized by even mm. making that such a big part of his life. Where do you fall on that spectrum? I, I have a similar sentiment. Um, you know, when you have man seeds and you have daughters and you're trying to um, advise your daughters what type of man should be attractive and, and advise your right. young boys what type of men they should be trying to evolve into, and you look back over your experience, I only want to support the things that I can transfer. So if I can't advise them that these are things that they should be participating in, I have to really reassess my involvement. So in order for me to not ever say the word Crip again, I had to really um, tap into the essence of what I believe the original um, spirit of Cripping was, the community revolution in progress. So the only reason you'll hear me being affiliated with Crip at all at this point is because it does have that type of uh, origin that I could go back to and speak to my sons about. So. I realized when Crippin started, there were no bloods. So in order for me to be a Crip, a blood does not have to be my enemy. Mm. So um, that's the essence of any Crippin that I, I'm a gang member, not a gang banger. I have once been a full-fledged gang banger, but the camaraderie is something that, and the experiences that I have developed with my comrades and my brothers is something that you can't take from me. So no matter how old we are, we're gonna get together and we're gonna enjoy and reminisce. However, I do not support black on black crime. I do not support um, anyone doing anything to someone else that's not warranted. Mm. Um, you know, I think that it got derailed, the whole concept of what it was starting to be. And then I did have to come along in a generation where it was totally off track and I participated to the fullest. So I feel like I kind of owe society uh, a different influence. Definitely. 
But when you when you look back at that time period, do you feel like you're joining the gang? Were you someone who was sort of being brought into it by the older cats who wanted to have somebody Not who they all. could? It wasn't. Not it was. It was more about you thing. It was very attractive. Mm. The uh, the danger, the mischief, the camaraderie. I was attracted to those things. I, you know, before gang banging, I was just a mischievous young man. Um, I remember being with. Before I actually saturated myself within the neighborhood, I was like the badass in my private school church circle and committing crimes in that arena with my peers. I remember before having gang violence, just having simple road raid violence. Uh, I remember when I was young enough to where my big cousin, his mother let him get the car because he was about 16 to 15, 17, first got his license. We old enough to where he can drive. So I'm younger than him, I'm in the car. I remember having a pistol. I remember at times, him just having road wage incidents with other drivers and there'd be shots fired mm. just because we had the pistol. Right. So it wasn't always just gang banging. It was just mis being mischievous. Mm. Just just being just fucking up was attractive at right. one point. Definitely. So how how deep did you get into that before you started rapping? Or was rap was rapping always just a part always of it? Always has always been a part of what I did. Before I was rapping, I was writing poetry in really? school. Yes. When it came time for like mother, auntie, grandmother's birthday, where everybody was trying to get presents together. I would just always have the inclination to write some poetry, find someone old enough to type it up for me, put it in the frame, and I would submit that as a gift. And my words are always beyond my age mm. or my perception of maturity. I, I don't know, it's a gift for me to be able to manipulate words, relate to them and use them to express thoughts. It's just been a gift. So I've always rapped, even when I was, and I have been at certain times, the most active, gang banger in my section, niggas knew. I'd be on the block, sitting in my car. I'm gonna have a notebook in the passenger seat. And really? I'm gonna be jotting in it. When I leave the block, it's a high possibility. I might be on my way to the studio. Oh. Niggas knew that. It's just, I come from an era when you used to know dudes from your rap peers going in and out of studios and they have affiliation with certain neighborhoods. And then when I first started rapping, I bump into somebody from another hood, like, oh, I know your homeboy so-and-so. And they respond to me, oh, that rapping ass nigga. Mm. I've been rapping since it wasn't cool for street niggas to rap. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I was still full-fledged when everybody was saying, I ain't no rap nigga. I'm a, I, don't, I don't rap. I'm just a street nigga. That right. rap, I'm not a rapper. I used to always <laughs> holler, I'm a rapper. Right. Yeah, I rap circles around non-rappers. I love to rap. I love to manipulate vocabulary. That's the part that attracted me to rap. It was the fact that words were being used and from young, when we were coming up watching rap, it seemed like the person who got the accolades was the person that could be clever with his words and express mm -hmm. himself. Although it's changed now, that's what I was into and that's what I'm still into. Right. Um, so how far did you guys get with your, with, with, or how far did you get with your music career before you ran into Suge, which is kind of when you really started to get on a lot of people's radars, correct? Is, is this off the camera? Or we the, can do this on you? No, you can do it on camera, it's all good, yeah. Nigga. Uh, shout out to Shug, the whole role situation. Prior to that, my experience in music, as far as dealing with people who I once was just, I was not in the game, I used to look at as they were in the game. Right off top, um, I can remember I had already worked with Sibo, Killer Tay, um, Yuck Mouth. Uh, I was familiar with Dub C, not quite. I had kind of got my foot in the game to that level. Um, I had, um, with, um, let's see who else, maybe J.O. Felony, Yuck Mouth. Those are the names that I had recorded with, uh, Brother Lynch. 
and by the time I have actually met Suge. So just to say that you were definitely do your thing and you definitely had a wave going on more of an underground level. But people forget, too, that this is back in those days. It was kind of like if you didn't get a cosign, then motherfuckers, it was like it was hard to be an independent. It just didn't happen the way it does now. Yeah. So for the fact me being aware of that, you know, for me to be able to work with people like Sibo and Killate, I knew that. There was a, perhaps a future in the game if I could get all the elements pulled together to um, get behind me as far as having a machine in motion, which, ironically enough, I've still yet to have accomplished, to have a situation where it's all focused on me, a whole machine and we pushing. Anything you consider I do now as far as progress or being relevant, it's all an independent individual push. Yeah, it's actually, there's a lot of rappers that I sort of talk to and I sort of have that realization like, damn, this dude, if he had been born in the current age where you can just promote yourself on social media, shit might have been a lot different. A lot of, I'm, I was having a conversation with Crooked Eye recently and My I'm nigga. realizing it's Crooked Eye, dope rapper, would have been able to sort of take matters into his own hands if he was a young man right now, but he ended up sort of on the shelf with death row for a long time and, you know. Yeah, it was out of his hands. Shook's timing, you know, getting get him being on death row and being the front runner, it just happened to be the wrong time. Mm. I got there, happened to be the wrong time. Got the G unit, happened to be the wrong time. Sometimes I feel like Jonah going back to the Bible. I get the death right. Death row is the biggest thing in the world. I get there. What G-Unit. year? What year did you did you start talking to Shook? And what was that conversation like? Two thousand. My homeboy Aunt, rest in peace, Big Aunt from my hood. The year two thousand. Yes, okay. if I can remember correctly. I paroled in 99. I think she got out the pen in 2000. You did so, how many years and for what? Um, I've done a cumulative about five years. My first um, time I went to prison was for uh, uh, strong one robbery. I did two years, about 25 months. And then I got out, stayed out about six months, and went back for ex con of possession of a firearm. They uh, gave me uh, 32 months, 80%. I did about 25 more months. Okay. And I've yet to, I've never returned back to prison. I paroled in 99 for the last time. Nice. Going back and forth to jail here and there for little warrants and tickets and shit, but I haven't done no real time since then. That's what's up. But yeah, I met Suge in about 2000. Did you, when you look back on it, your time spent in prison, did that really help inform your music? Was that, was that something that made your music better, having all that shit mm. to talk about and the shit that you knew about? You know, I typically realize what I noticed, people like Tupac and other rappers that went to prison, they come out rapping about prison a lot more than I did. Mm. Prison was, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like almost a forgotten time in my life. When I bump into somebody, I go live, and I'll somebody every now and then, somebody in the comments will top chap up and be like, remember me? We was on this yard. And then they start reminding me of certain incidents, and we get into conversations about it. Other than that, I kind of forget about the whole experience of prison. I mean, some people are... Some people go to prison and then they get out and then they're not really doing shit with their lives. So it's kind of like prison was the last time that they really got to be around a bunch of real ass mm. dudes and a lot of drama. And it's like, I see people from high school sometimes and they remember me and I'm like, damn, I don't remember what the fuck they're talking about. I've done a lot since high school. A lot of people ain't done shit since they got out of prison, uh, right? Yeah. My brother's doing life and he's been down since 05. Shout out <laughs> Big Spider from the set. And he probably remembers all these there, little conversations you, you have and yes, little things, vividly, right? Yeah. Vividly. And I appreciate it because I remember a general incident and we'll get discussing it at the end start. You don't remember this happened in the right. details. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. So that's something to appreciate about hollering at somebody who's spent a lot of time in uh, incarceration. It's easy to forget how yeah. little they got to really focus yes. on. Yeah. And we've got every day 
we we live enough of a lifetime that it probably cover for them for a year every day. We talk to thirteen, see a thousand different people. If you're on the freeway, yeah. go on this story, they don't have none of that. Yeah. They they world moves so slow. Yeah, that's facts. It's a lot more like what it was like before we all had little computers in our exactly. pockets too. You know, you keep it in some prison cells where they got Xboxes and Playstations. I remember being in prison, fantasizing, and I thought it was the most far fetched thing in the world. That wish I could have a video game here. Right. The fact that it's real blows my mind. I thought it was gonna that would never be a possibility. Right. <coughs> I hate to say it, with a PlayStation cuz I could do it got a lot of time. <laughs> oh my mama mama, especially if we could get online. Right. Play Madden. That'd be a big problem if they started letting everybody get online though, huh? Be I a mean whole new generation of I scamming. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just think, you know, people online I just think they don't think they got a strong enough signal to play no game. Because, uh, you know, people are following right in the pen watching us right now. Like yeah. I said, we go live, they tap in all the time. That's just crazy. I got yeah. a friend who's who's locked up right now and he got a phone and I got his number and it's it's just weird because I'll always be texting him and he'll say some shit that I wish I could like share with the outside world. And okay. I'm like, yeah. I don't want anyone to know that he just sent me a picture of this. Right, right, yeah. But then you look on the internet and there's so many people comfortable going live from their cell and Cameras in the day room, it's like, damn, it's off the hook in there. That's just if you, crazy. If you really analyze it, though, because unless you are really uh, kinky or uh, freaky, um, it's going to be hard to keister a phone. So for them to be getting in there, they have to be getting some type of assistance for somebody who's not an inmate. So, oh, definitely. And it's, that's probably why they're not so uh, withdrawn about letting it be known that they own on the yard. Just imagine you make 80000 a year. And all of a sudden, somebody tell you, if you bring $10, $25 phones in here, I'll give you $800 for each of them. Yeah. You're going to drop them phones in the corner somewhere. The shit that trips me out is when I'll have a friend go to jail, and I'll assume that that means that they're getting sober for a while. <laughs> and then I talk to them, and I realize, oh, no, they're off hella pills in jail. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, pills, heroin. Heroin, from my experience, is the dominant drug. Mm. The most widely used, of course, weed. But anything goes in prison. Yeah. Everything. If you get it, it's going to go at a premium, a times 10 premium. Thanks. Okay, so what's the, the first conversation with Sugar? Like? How does this start unfolding? Uh, I had told everybody, you know, the news and everybody was prepping that Sugar be home in 90 days. He'll be home from prison in 30 days. Mm. I told everybody in my circle, I'm going to break my neck to meet that nigga within the first 30 days that he get out. I promise you I'm going to meet him within 30 days. However, when he actually paroled, I put not one, I didn't put no effort into meeting him. It was kind of like I had just was talking. Mm. However, the way the universe had it, before he was out 30 days, somebody called me and said, Suge, want to meet you. And that was my homie, Big Ant. And so when I got to, uh, they happened to be at the Red Lobster waiting on me when I pulled up. Pulled up, Suge said, I uh, heard, been hearing a lot, of, a lot of good things about you. I said, all that shit true. Because of his reputation, I was trying to make sure I came with a lot of, Firmness. So mm. I, he, they were sitting at a long table. He was at the head of it. I grabbed a chair and I put it right to his periphery. <laughs> and he was like, uh, so he was eating. He was like, yeah, your homie told me you rap. I want to hear something. I'm like, now it's a gang of pyros. Buntry, rest in peace. Uh, Timmy Ruiz. It was an intimidating or a real serious, different looking scene. 
And I just rapped. I did 16 bars. He was like, yeah, we got Crooked Eye, we got Eastwood, then you next. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So there was a dude named Magic who had a label called Dundee Records. Eastwood was signed to uh, Magic. My, my big homie Ant was Magic's best friend. Mm -hmm. So Magic is small in stature. My homie was big, dark. They used to run together. Magic politicked in the game. He was a CEO. He used to be everywhere. I'm sure you've heard his name. Mm. But anyway, um, I had known Magic for some years. So when I, after we had that first meeting at the restaurant, we went to see Suge a week later to have a follow-up meeting. This is the first time I was able to be in the office alone with just me and Suge. And so um, we went into the office. He said, uh, so if we're going to do this deal, I think it would be fair if you let, um, if, I let, if you let Magic and your homie Ant manage you. And I, uh, I told him that because of things that me and Magic had went through in the past, I didn't want him managing me. Mm -hmm. And we went on. We never did an actual deal. But from that point on, for two years, I was considered a Suge's artist. Only production he put out during that period of time was the Dysfunctional Family um, soundtrack, Eddie Griffith stand-up movie. I participated on that, got the opportunity not, to not only write for the late, great, beautiful, Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Mm. I also got the opportunity to work with a legend like Eddie Griffith, Corrupt, Crooked Eye. Um, you know, I, I named the guys that I had been dealing with in the game on the underground prior to meeting Suge. But once I got there, it went up to where I met uh, shit, Sylvester Stallone, Cisco, uh, Ray J. It was a whole nother level of celebrity. And um, it, was a, it was a hell of experience dealing with Suge. Because of what you were act, actually looking for to get famous and rich, mm. I was disappointed initially. But now, after I've been in the game some time and been around, and I look back over what I actually um, did game by dealing with Suge, I appreciate the experience a lot more. Do you think Suge wanted you at that time as an artist, or was it partially because he, you know, he wanted you as like muscle, or like he wanted you to be part of the squad on like a street I, I, it's, type it's, of it's, level? It's a, it's a dual. Right. A dual desire. He actually, the reason why I was called is because while my homie Ant Magic was having a meeting with Suge, he described what type of artist that he was looking for, and he actually stated, I don't want nobody, I gotta go to his hood and save him from his homies. That's what made my homie say, cuz you need to meet my little homie. Mm. Tell him to come up here then. Be all that. And that's when I got the call, should wanna meet you. So that was a pretty good question. Definitely, if I had just showed up and being that nigga from my set, I don't know if I would have been able to saturate myself over there. If you gotta be able to impress Crooked Eye with your lyrics, right. first of all. That's not easy. Shout yeah. out Crooked Eye for the word beautiful too. Since his name he came, came up with up. that. Yeah, one day we was in the studio session at Death Row. And, you know, he's kind of on the smart side. I don't right. want to use the N-word, the one that ends with a D. But if you know Crooked, he's kind of, you know. So <laughs> he came up, and even though he's a gangster rapper, he, like, came over my shoulder in my ear one night. And he was like, hey, I got something for you. I, I can't really use it. It's a word. Like, what's that? Like, beautiful. I'm like, well, that's hard. <laughs> so I just kept it in the back of my head for years and just right. been there. And the time came where I heard, I, I, um, first, before I heard the beat, I remember it being in the airport. I don't know if it was um, what the airline was, but all the waiting seats were blue. And it caused me to write like four bars in the blue booth on the blue mic, whatever, whatever. Right. And I just had that in my sidekick. And then one day at a studio session, uh, the producer, shout out E-Rock from the Riffs, he played the beat. Uh -huh. And it 
immediately you made me think of it. those. Yeah, and I went on and finished it out from that point. It's funny because I just had uh, we just interviewed this kid Rucci from Inglewood, and uh, he's a blood and everything. And as soon as I said, "Yeah, we got Spider Love next," a bunch of dudes in the entourage, were, it's a blood of a world. Whoa. They just started busting it out right away. I was shout like, out, "Oh yeah!" Shout out to my uh, stepson Woods from Inglewood. Uh -huh. He's Inglewood's finest. And uh, shout out to the city. Period, man. That's yeah. what it, I appreciated that. And I want to salute the uh, Red Rags of Inglewood for getting the form painted back red. Y'all, it's called <laughs> that. I don't know how y'all pulled it off. I appreciated why it was true blue, but they did that. Like, no. Nah. Well, it's, it's just a paint job and it just happened to switch form. up? The, yeah, the, the general, the, the Great Western form all my life had been red. Oh. For like the last decade, they had painted it blue. Right. It's red again. That's beautiful, huh? <laughs> it's beautiful. That's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're you're doing your thing with in the whole death row operation and shit, but are you sort of perceiving it go downhill the whole time? Yeah, I realized that. Um, and I have to actually... After about two years, uh, approach should with this conversation. Like I'm realizing, it's more of a detriment to me right. to be associated with you than a, a benefit. And the reason why I had to approach him is because, um, shout out John, who was running his website at the time. I had my own section as an artist on Shug's website, right? And I wanted my image to be taken down so I could go pursue other opportunities. I don't want nobody to say Shug got you up here as his artist. Hmm. So. Uh, I asked John to take it down, and John was like, yo, I can't do that without somebody from the office telling me, Spider. So you got to have somebody from the office tell me. So I had to swallow that big-ass lump in my throat, not only because of who Suge was, but it's like, at, at this time of my life, I didn't know. I said, Suge, that's the biggest thing I could imagine being affiliated with in the game, mm. being from where I was, with the knowledge that I knew, the network that I had. Like I told you the names I knew before that, so I'm thinking, how do you let go of this? But also, it's like right now, everybody knows that Suge, like whatever, in terms of being a businessman and shit, that he's somebody you might not necessarily want to work with. Did you get that vibe at the time? Were you slowly realizing, like, maybe this is not a safe or healthy business arrangement? Um, I didn't have enough business savvy to actually be scared of his business. He just never kicked any real money. Up. Right. So I got tired of being around, struggling, being broke, hoping and waiting on something to pop. So that's the only thing bad about his business that I was able to, uh, you know what I'm saying, to see. I never really got to see. Never. I never had nothing that we were supposed to split and he tried to take too much or it never got to that. I know at one point, uh, I realized I was I wasn't signing shit, so it was only so much you could expect. Right. But I, I did feel like um, everywhere else I went, that the reception you was getting wasn't that grand. So eventually, like I say, I had to let him know I need to be taken off your website. And surprisingly enough, you know, he didn't resist at all. Wished me well. Told me he apologized that he wasn't able to really do nothing for me at the time. You know what I'm saying? He was just realizing that the black ball was real. Right. You know what I'm saying? So everything he thought he was going to come home and just do was all getting kicked to the dirt. So he was like, you know, if I do get it popping before you get it popping, the door is always open. Right. Had no idea that I was going. I can't really remember how long it was before I met the New York dudes. But I, Yeah, how long until you met 50? It was and a very short period of time, but I had no idea that that was going to transpire. Did you think that 50 and them, were they were they people that you straight up would have had beef with off rip? Like you were aware of that before, while you were still with Suge? Man, let me tell you something. Had Suge been on point, there would have been beef because at one point, me being on the back burner, being frustrated over there right before I had to get at Suge about letting me go, um, Suge actually approached me and the Booyah tribe Shout out to the tribe. 50 Cent's first time coming to LA to perform. 
at the House of Blues. And Suge wanted us to go in there with some of our little homies, purchase like champagne bottles. He was gonna buy the tickets and give us money to buy the bottles. And when 50 hit the stage, he wanted to have our little homies pelting with bottles. He was like, House of Blues don't sell uh, bottles on the, uh, bottle, beer and bottles on hip hop nights. They pour the beer in cups. He's like, the only way we get bottles is you have to buy a bottle. He said, I'll buy the bottles. But he was like, he wanted as soon as that nigga got on stage, he wanted that nigga to get bottled up. And you were with it. Hell no, but I would have been with it <laughs> yeah. had I would have been more comfortable over there. Mm. But I was like, after all, only thing Suge, when we did the soundtrack, the only song he asked me to get on was a diss song. Mm. The only other song that I actually got on the soundtrack was a song I did on my own at Sir Jinx's house, turned it in, and Eddie Griffin loved it so much, it was put on the soundtrack. So for you... After me being around two years, like you say, is it just for the muscle or whatever? Mm. We done been in a lot of situations where I did smashing, you know, just got active, we out and about, moving around, shit happens. And now here it is after all this time, as much as I wanted to get my feet wet in the game, you call us to the Beverly Hills Hotel, we thinking it's time, because the Booyah tribe, they have the same type of spirit. Like, you know, when we gonna get a chance to get it cracking? Mm. Uh, Gangsta Red was on the same diss song with it. But anyway, we get to the meeting, think he was gonna to talk to us about some industries, and he was wanting us to do that. We were appalled. You were appalled because it's like, at that point, you feel like I've come too far to just be a crash test dummy and go do yes. this dumb shit that is obvious you're gonna get yes. caught. <laughs> and just think having the intelligence or the wherewithal or whatever word you wanna to utilize to make that decision instead of just going with the okie doke. I wouldn't even, whether I would have been identified as a participant or not, I wouldn't have been comfortable when I met this dude and the opportunity to even, you know, I had to be a real cold dude to have participated in that, whether I got up out of there without being identified and then still encounter him the way I did, I don't think I would have had the confidence and the interest to approach the situation. Mm. I would have felt like, ooh, like, I don't know, I just felt like I was on the opposite side. How did the conversation start to unfold with 50? And do you think 50 was, attracted to the fact that you were previously with Death Row and obviously, you know, like an enemy of, of my but enemy is a friend of mine. After me and 50 decided to do something together, I was trying to like think about how I was going to bring up Suge and before a couple of days could go by, he was just, I didn't even know he was aware. I was like, I got to let this nigga know. I was just messing with dude. And, right. um, he ought to be, before I could even bring it up, he was like, hey, yo, I don't know if you care about what big boy think, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So that was real refreshing to hear. I'm like, well, I ain't even got to worry about even bringing it up. He's already aware. And he, he's expressing that he don't care what dude thinks. So uh -huh. it's what it was. Was 50, I remember hearing somebody say at one point, they were like, somebody said to me, they were like, you know, I respect 50 because at one point he had like 100 crips around and protecting him and he never went around saying he was a crip. Hmm. Is that accurate? I've never heard him say he was a crip. Right. So, you know. I know when I first, first met him, and when he first mentioned, the first time I knew he wasn't 100% happy with what was going on with uh, Doja, he said, you know, he from the rest side. And he said it like, huh? So it was like, hmm. And before he discussed anything else, he looked at, he spoke to him like, hmm, he from the rest side. Hmm. So I noticed that. Interesting. Yeah. But I mean, you know, a lot of rappers, you know, shout out to Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne, you know, he starts popping in the game and then he sort of adopts the the blood thing or whatever. Yeah, and he, you know, he let a grown man kiss him on his mouth all on TV for years too, dude. Right. So he wear, you know, I seen him wear like 
tights, just leggings. Right. Jeggings. Yeah, jeggings. So, you know, but the culture, you know, the Paru, you know, then you got, you know, we all know what the rainbow stands for these days. Mm. I mean, you had a, the biggest rapper in the game was rainbowed out. He was claiming blood too. Not a 6ix9ine fan, I'm assuming. Takuchi? <laughs> Not at all. How you going to be a fan of someone if you a real one from the area we from? I don't blame and, you, And, you know, the little bit of that tapped in just to get informed on what he had going on. I looked at the video, and when the video came on, he had his face transposed onto a bikini body of a female, bro. He did, huh? Yeah, I'm lost. Then they actually, actually held up his hands, and a green screen rubber rainbow appeared in between his hands. Mm. Yeah. You probably don't even remember that the first time he went viral before he was really like a rapper and shit, well, he went viral because he had this shirt that said HIV on it. I didn't know that. HIV. Though. And I remember I remember it going around on Twitter. Nobody knew who he was, but everybody was laughing like, HIV, like why HIV? Like that's a wild ass shirt to wear. Wow. A couple years later, he was a huge rapper. Yeah, I didn't know nothing about him until he was the hugest. Right. So I finally was forced to like, Okay, let's see what it's all about. And that was part of my introduction, seeing his head on the female body. I was through. Yeah. I can't blame you for that. Um, so, okay, the, the 50 thing starts unfolding. Was he, does he start mentioning right away the idea of you signing to him? Immediately. He was actually, when I met him, he was having a conversation with Young Buck about DT being robbed for the G-Unit Spinner. Right. It was a very intense conversation. 50 was very serious, very upset. He was talking about some real high-powered things, about what should happen next, what could happen, the possibilities, and just how we're sitting here having a conversation right now. If my homie over there just started loud rapping, like while we're talking, that's what I did. Uh, so you started actually putting your, your I was, skills I was on display. sitting about this close to him in a trailer full of niggas. Right. And he was discussing what he was discussing. So what I'm trying to tell you is I took the absolutely worst time to be disrespectful and interrupt him in his conversation and didn't ask for permission. And I just began to rap. Wow. And immediately he, and, but when I, I did the same thing, to young buck during the same period of time, he was talking to people that we both knew. I, I didn't know him, but because I knew someone he knew when he got to Atlanta, two days after the chain got took in Chicago, I was in his hotel room before he got there. Uh -huh. So he walked in, he's just addressing the whole group about what went on. I did the same thing to him. Immediately, I knew I had him. The way he was looking and following me, it caused me just to keep going, keep going, keep going. He eventually had to stop me from rapping. 50, I was this close to 50. That nigga was looking at me like, who the fuck is this? Who man is this? Will somebody get him? So like, I didn't even get my energy up as well for 50 as I did for Bucks. I'm thinking I'm fucking up. Like, damn, I should have did this shit. Uh -huh. But I had already, I couldn't turn back, so I had to keep going. But I'm gonna tell you, I, I, my, 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 at that time in my life, my thing was to not stop until somebody stopped me. But I eventually, for 50, because he didn't show no emotion, I'm like, I could keep going. And that nigga was like, for what? Like, get his number. We're going to call it the second platoon. And he started rattling it off immediately. So that's the answer to your question immediately. Right. Once he heard me get down, he was like, this, we finna do this. Okay. So yeah. how does it start going from there? You, you actually signed the deal this time as opposed yeah, to the so death row thing? I actually signed the deal um, after about... I guess, I don't know, it was less than a year maybe, but some months up until then, he was looking out. I jumped on tour with Buck on the Straight Outta Cashville tour. Every now and then we would meet up with banks in different cities and then we went on the um, anger management tour. Got opportunity to meet Eminem a couple of times, not personally, not get a chance to conversate with him in a big group, but I did get to shake his hand. Mm. Um, that's a godly type 
energy when you're around that dude. Carries a lot of respect. Oh, wow, bro. He's different. in the room. That's all anybody's paying attention to and shit. Yes. He doesn't have to say nothing. Mm. Uh, nothing. He seems like he seems like such an introvert. But what I did get the opportunity to see is um, when we were on tour, we was on tour with the likes of Sierra, um, Lil John, uh, Titty Boy. Shout out to Chains. What up, my nigga? Had a second um, life later on. Yeah, man. of course he did. That was that was beautiful to see. Um, Ludacris, uh, Lil Scrappy. But every night, out of the 40-something dates, Eminem did like 12 or 13 dates. And he mm-hmm. would fly his helicopter to the venue, the dates he did, and then he would be gone after it. Um, so when he was there, he was the headliner. Outside of that, G-Unit was the headliner. So when Eminem was there, G-Unit would come on right before Eminem. I noticed from the first act, when the sun was still up and people were just coming to the arena, Every artist on the stage always says, put your hands up, put your hands up. That's part of the show. Hype man, you're going to repeat that. Mm-hmm. G-Unit, it was a definite must. If you're on that stage and you're not rapping, constantly have your hand up because it's monkey see, monkey do. And to constantly repeat, keep the energy going, keep the crowd engaged, keep your hands up. So I watched that be the focus of the energy. When Eminem come in the arena, now you know he's the headliner. There's more people here now than there has been the whole night. Mm-hmm. Also, I noticed this. G-Unit say, light your lighters up, light your cell phones up. You might get 60% of the arena participate. When Eminem come out on stage, my nigga, he don't say put your hands up one time. He throw his hand up the whole motherfucking arena, do the same exact shit. He start doing this, they all do it. He put his hand down, they don't stop for the whole fucking show. Mm. Then when he say light this motherfucker up, everybody in there got it lit up. He has a cult following. That's something to witness, bro. That's amazing. Yeah, it's different. Let me ask you this. You're coming from the streets of L.A., and then all of a sudden you're on tour with 50 and Young Buck. And I know that you have your own opinions of them that I guess we can get into over time. But early on, did it appear to you, you being a guy who's you know born and bred straight up L.A. shit, you, know, you have a certain definition on what it is to be a man. Did it start to occur to you early on that something might be a little weird about these guys? No? It took some time. Okay. It took that much time, at least. Well, I was I was that convinced. What's the fist symbolize here? Look good. Oh, the, the G in the tattoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So okay. I was convinced that I was with some real dudes. Right. You know what I'm saying? At least I thought I was banging with a decent group till they left the low hanging when I beefed with Snoop. How did that go down? Never. Uh, well, actually, because Snoop told me, G Unit can't say you cuz. Uh, I was having some back and forth with Doja. He told me he wasn't with it. He running the West Coast. And he don't care what nobody think, but I couldn't do that. And he had the West Coast on lock. And if I had issues with Doja, that was his homeboy. He wasn't going for it. Uh-huh. And I guess that scared 50. So you think that's what made 50 sort of separate from you is you having issues with Snoop? Yeah, you know, 50, got, he keeps Snoop nuts in his mouth. Uh-huh. He worships Snoop. So he was scared of Snoop. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. Snoop scared him. That's interesting, though, because it feels like not like in recent times, we're talking about like early 2000s, very few people do really hear them come out and say that they've had beef with Snoop. It feels like he got into that like grandfatherly role pretty early. I mean, it's, it, he's usually non-confrontational. Mm. And I admit that me, myself, personally, I allowed the influence of Suge Knight to cause me to say some derogatory things toward him right. that I would guess probably should not have been done. Mm. So I made it my business once I got down with um, G-Unit, knowing that he was affiliated with them in a positive sense. I approached him as a man and you know offered my apologies and 
we were supposedly cool. Everything was 100. He told me, keep it crippin' cuz it ain't nothing. He did a record for my debut album on G-Unit. And the next thing I knew, he was on interviews dissing me because I was having issues with gang. Mm. I mean, Doja. Hmm. So, you know, I, you know, through the years, just because, you know, I got the reputation of being a fuck up the high head. And then that Snoop Dogg, you know, the issues were the issues, but I've put them aside tons of times and attempted to mend them. But it seems as if that <clears throat> is something that he chose, you know, it was something going on that I wasn't really aware of. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Do you ever look at a situation like that and feel like uh, Snoop ended up siding with Game in that situation just because Game was the bigger artist and it just made, it was more beneficial to him career-wise? Dr. Dre, um, all that affiliation. Mm. Uh, I, my thing is this. You know, you could have Snoop Dogg held a position. Now I see how the game is, the way the networking and affiliations. He could have had all those concerns and got at me. We had spoken before. We had communicated. The thing about it is I hear this on an interview. Mm. Um, I get on the phone with him. We hash it out. Then you'll see three months later, it's another interview with him was speaking derogatory of him. You know what I'm saying? So I just didn't understand it. You know? Interesting. Um, okay, so... He told me via internet, I have the clip in my phone. He fucked with me because 50 Cent fucked with me. I'm from Eastside Crip, homie. Mm -hmm. Born in Compton. Compton and Long Beach together. Now you know you're in trouble. Does that seem weird to you? Like that as an LA dude that to is fuck with me weird. because I'm fucking that with this is New York extremely camp? weird. Mm -hmm. That makes your Crip and super corny. Mm -hmm. On top of the fact that you just recently claimed that this gay entertainer that likes to flip. I think he was an ex-Power Ranger. He's on social media. He has a personality. He does a lot of little skits and stuff. Only reason I'm aware of him is because Snoop Dogg posted him on his page for about a week straight claiming that he was super gay's cuz number one fan. That's not cripping at all. Mm. So it's like through the years, no matter how, I always think if I approach, when you think of Snoop Dogg, you think super crip, crip boom, bam. That establishes a protocol to where there's I know how I can never be wrong with you if you are crip. If that's what you are, I know how to deal with you. Mm. So when I see you do things, there's a large range of things that are accepted, but there's certain things that just baffle me that make me say, I don't know what he on. French tips, I don't get it. Right. The world has gotten a lot friendlier to homosexuals and such over the years. Yeah. Maybe ga gangbanging has been probably pretty resistant to that uh, largely. Do you feel like you're kind of viewed as like old school because you clearly think that I, that stuff has no place in your culture? Have, no, I haven't spoken about the place it has in the culture. Okay, I'm talking about an individual such as Snoop Dogg mm -hmm. claiming that he's that dude's number one fan. Mm -hmm. When I have three sons in the Snoop Dogg Youth Football League, I find that a conflict of interest a mismatch. So if the youth, our masculinity is looking up to Snoop as some type of role model or somebody to look to as a man, for him to claim that this other dude and you a crip dude, I don't give a fuck. It's everybody, what society can't speak on cripping. Now society is what it is, but once we claim to be in this fraternity, we have a different rule. Now as an individual, you can accept anyone but for him to be the godfather of crip into the world and to claim to be the number one fan of the dude that i can't name right now it doesn't work but snoop's attitude would probably just be 
I'm however many years old. Yo, bad. Game banging don't really matter it that much in that specific it, quit, way. Quit doing it. Quit doing it. His his attitude would be, who gives a fuck if this guy's gay? Who, I, who cares? I don't. I, nobody cares. But if you being his number one fan, you promoting that, you can't promote manhood to my sons. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, and the same I understand way that your perspective. Guy is pr- the same way that guy is proud to be homosexual, mm. and he promotes it, I'm proud to be heterosexual, and I promote it. Mm-hmm. And I think if he's allowed to be that way, or if there's a group or a sect of people allowed to be that way, I am allowed to be the same way about my sexuality. I should be allowed to promote it with the same amount of fervor and excitement to my children. Right. If they're going to put... The homo element in children's entertainment, like cartoons, I think I should be able to be just as expressive with my children how great heterosexual um, activity is. Right, but I don't think anything, I don't think that Snoop Dogg celebrating a gay actor or musician or whatever really is a threat on heterosexuality. I feel you like keep using that, words that, guy that, just, that guy just happens to be gay. But then an icon is claiming to be his number one fan. An icon as a, a football organization leader for all young men in the inner city right. he has put himself up here so when you start making a correlation of a lot of things going together in the same group there's certain things that don't fit in that group right and i'm saying cripping i'm not speaking on nothing else right just if you need if you're gonna take the crip, just think about this bro if you can make an album called make america crip again and a gospel album in the same year mm-hmm and it's, you got to stand for something. I was always taught to stand for something to fall for anything. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at sensual seduction and other things of like that, I think instead of standing for something, he's been falling for anything and doing anything. Sold his soul in front of the world on murder was the case. Mm, but don't you, wait, you think he sold his soul on murder was the case? It. You just see the video? When he's, where he's in the, uh, the casket and whatnot? Of me, I'll make it bad. Remember the devil you came in? You thought that was some satanic shit. Don't say I thought. Look at what you saw. The black hair. The white face, the right. black fingernails. It's just the vo- art, though, right? The voice or sat- satanic type art. Yeah. Okay. So we just gonna. I'm not. I'm not finna call it what it's not. Right. I'm not calling it other than what it is. He was riding in a car in a jag. That crow type creature with the black hair, white face, black fingernails. Right. That came in his window as a black bird, sat in a chair, and it turned it to that man. Told him, "Bring your lifestyle to me. I'll make it better." Right. Does that sound godly? Mm, no, but okay. it, it seemed like it was almost like a reference to like a horror movie type thing was how I, I took it. So I'm dying. The bird came in, turned into a white man. The devil looking. If that don't look like devil to you, I don't know what you call it. But he was riding in the car, smoking some weed. Right. That dude feet turned into smoke. He hit the weed and he smoked the whole dude up in him. You know right. what I'm saying? Every, everything he said came to reality. That's not God. Mm. Yeah. But don't you think when you look back at that, I mean, I look at that as like, you know, a lot of people in the rap game have taken the bad things that were happening in their personal life and then managed to spin it in an entertaining way. And when I look at that situation, I'm like, Snoop was dealing with a real deal murder case and he managed to make videos that referenced it that people at home just thought was dope. They liked the artist artistry of it regardless. And I, I agree with you that it's kind of crazy because we are I'm talking about somebody losing their life. artistic or creative. Yeah. But I'm talking about the spiritual overtones mm. you can't deny them nobody i mean you can call it and you can uh describe it and justify it however you choose mm. i'm not here to pass judgment on it i am just reminding you what you saw now if you can say you saw that and didn't see anything that represented somebody selling they sold hey 
but do you think that the world at large is generally just not really concerned with that kind of stuff in the way that maybe your prior generations were? That might be true. Yeah. But Snoop was older than me. Right. So our generation is more similar than this new generation. You think the money changed him? The fame? Kind of made him forget about stuff like that that you might... Man, y'all got to understand, first of all, if you look at his age when he got started and what he became to the world is this super active, experienced crip. He right. never really had the time to live that life. Mm. If you knew the real backdrop stories of things that he was going through in death row. Really? Yeah. A lot of things took place that he wasn't proud of. Yeah. As a man, as a gangbanger, getting spit on on planes. They kind of went, they, they didn't do it right on his movie. He got spit on by really? Pooh the nigga that be with Wack 100. Right. Yeah, he spit on him on a plane. I mean, you see that from Logie, Dre, same thing. You saw, saw Dre get so wrapped Dre up in the no death row though. thing, and then he falls back, and he's been in the studio for 30 years. But Dre never been a crook. Right. He's never been a blood. Mm -hmm. He's always been an artist. And when right. you knew he was doing the gangster stuff, you knew he was performing. Right. So, you know, Dre goes by, he gets a whole nother standard. Right. What's the I'm status sure. of you on Wack 100? Wack no 100. That's what I meant <laughs> Not to a say. fan, huh? Now, what is there to be found? He was recently coming at uh, YG tough. You yeah, see that? I've seen, I seen that, man. That no, was interesting because Blueface did a video with YG like a week before that. But that's Wack's MO. What else do you know about Wack other than he's had interaction with other men and most of them negative? Right. What else? There's nothing else to know about. There's a lot of a lot of that is what we know him for interacting with people on social media, going at people's heads. That's it. That's it. And then even when he's speaking positive, he's always speaking about another nigga. Mm -hmm. There's no accolades to speak about himself until now. He's attached to a successful project for the last ten years, however long you've been seeing him establish yourself. It's always about having another nigga name in his mouth. Mm -hmm. When did you guys start to have a problem? What, what did it start with? The day I met him, he told me, "Man, uh, I'm fucking on your old bitch, man. I put her through a." <laughs> nursing school and put her through a bought her some braces she look way better now though and that <laughs> wait, was funny wait, what too. year was that this is like 2000 he said that too and was it true yeah it was somebody I, what my old bitch some girl one of my home girl. With? yeah okay. i fucked with she from my hood 976 love you boo that's my loke though that's my home girl it was i was a young nigga fresh out the pen we gangbangers. We from the same set. That's a wild confrontational ass thing to say to somebody. Yeah, but but <laughs> uh, 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 assuming that that was my girl. Right, but he, he probably knew it wasn't really your girl, and he was still saying it just to he was what, trying to, to test the waters, see what, see what you see were what about. I was yeah. gonna say, see if I was gonna talk about what I've done with her and all that, which ain't my thing. Right. So I'm like, oh, that's the homegirl. Shook his hand, whatever. So I thought that was it. But however, for the last decade or 15 years plus, every time I bump in the whack. He mentioned her. Really? If I have a new person with me and introduce him, the last time I can remember, I had my homie from 6ix9ine with me last time I seen him. I'm like, this is my homie from 6ix9ine, East Coast. Oh, my wife, my wife from East Coast, yeah. I put it through I put it through nursing school and brought her braces, though. He used to fuck with her. <laughs> it's something that's always on the tip of his tongue. He's, right. a, he's a buster for that. So I always knew he was a weirdo for that. So. You know, I never liked him for that, but I've dealt with him, you know, chestnut checkers. Uh -huh. A lot of pieces you let stay on the board for a long time, you know, just because but, you know, but, by the time you get to the game, you still need something to knock over. But it's like risen up to the social media type level. He lied on me, man. What did he say? I looked up on the internet and he was talking about someday he was in Hollywood. He got a phone call from Doja uh -huh. saying that I had him surrounded and Doja called for help. He said he was with Suge Knight. And him and Suge Knight had a conversation about should they go, Suge, like, we ain't going over there. Mob Deep was supposedly involved. And I had me and Mob Deep and some OG unit niggas had Doja surrounded in Beverly Hills. 
Whack. At a hotel in Santa Monica. Thank you. Somebody told me that. Thank about that. you. Yeah. Whack no honey told the world that I was going to do something and he had time to get a phone call. Argue and Suge Knight and show up and defuse the situation. Uh-huh. Nobody that knows me would believe that. Right. What am I waiting on? What was going on all this time we was waiting on you to show up? I was never there. I don't even I have no recollection of this. Oh, so you weren't even there at never all? Never have been there. Oh wow. So when I seen you was bold enough to tell that lie on me, it's fuck you. Ho ass nigga. Do you think he knows it's not true? Or you think Yeah, he knows it's not true. There was too many other people there, supposedly. Prodigy recalls this whole story in his, in his audio book. My yeah. name is not mentioned. However, my name is mentioned in the book. When there was times when my name is supposed to be relevant, my name comes up. When he tells the story, he names the people that was there. My name never comes up. Is this the situation that 40 Glock was there for that, that you weren't there for? Okay. And that was the confusion because 40 Glock has talked about it a lot and claimed that he you was- You know how bad that nigga been wanting, he been arguing with. <laughs> Whack No Hunt been accrediting that incident to me for years. Uh-huh. Fody been screaming at the top of his lungs. That wasn't him. That was me. That was me. He won't the credit for that. Mm. That's the type of nigga that would stand there, allows a nigga to make a phone call, and let some niggas argue, have time to come there, get all the way to the scene, and nothing ever happened. That's the type of nigga that'll do that. Mm. Not me, bro. I'm not no extra out nigga, but if I'm there having an issue with a nigga I don't like, and we, I'm not. Whack no honey could never stop me from doing nothing. Then he went on the internet talking about uh T when he crib. He said he told me I ain't never heard of that. Nigga, what you mean? Nigga, I'm from ECG unit. Nigga, it was a whole clan of us. I don't give a fuck what you heard of. You are from the valley. There's a whole lot of shit going on on these east side streets you ain't never heard of, you queerdo. When you see him saying that shit about uh how YG used to claim Crip and stuff, does that mean anything to you? Do you see that as just a reach? Let me tell you, everybody knows. Um I had my time speaking on YG in the public. Um, shortly before Nipsey Hussle died, he FaceTimed me, and he requested that whatever it was between me and YG, whatever issue I had, if it wasn't that big, it wasn't that deep, because of their relationship, and he explained to me why YG mattered to him so much, things that they went through, certain events at a video shoot, day one, things that they went through, that why it mattered to him. And he said, if it wasn't that big a thing, is it something that I could get over and squash? So I immediately took down all my related posts about the issues with YG. And then I- Out of respect for Nip. Yeah, and I let him know. I'm like, cuz, they down. I told him, though, that immediately was done. So I ain't got nothing to say about dude. SIP, the neighborhood Nip, I love you, Loke. But besides that, uh, Whack No Hunter is a buster, though, period. He's a weirdo, wherever he getting at. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. There is nobody I know in this game that has less respect than, if you're, you're a name that's in this game, that typically comes with more respect than Whack No Honey. You don't think Whack has respect out there? I don't even speak about what I think that much. I only deal with facts when I'm talking to other people. I could tell you about what I think and what I feel, and that's up for discussion, but I'm gonna tell you about facts. Whack No Honey has zero. Nobody gives a fuck about Whack No Honey if he's not speaking about who else he's cool with that has some respect. It's the only respect he get. Crazy. I will say about Whack that I talked to him backstage at Bluefest show one time, told me he was down to do the interview the next morning, hit him up the next morning, did not hit me back. This type of whole ass nigga he is. I can tell Ghosted you about on me. Hard. Yeah, whack. Said, oh, what up? That's the type of dude he is. <laughs> that's the type of dude he is, bro. Damn, that's crazy. Do you think that... Like, are you at the stage in your life where anything could ever happen where y'all would just link up 
and run the fade or whatever or have any sort of conflict like is that even something that you Look think could happen history, at this man, point i don't discuss violence right via media that's smart you know what i'm saying hoes is hoes they out here we call spades spades you know what I'm saying? Okay. If you look through my um, history, a lot of incidents you could point to let you know I ain't scared of no confrontation. Mm. Am I looking to do anything to anyone harmful? No. Am I looking to have any kind of physical altercation with anyone? No. Good. Period. Let's keep it that way. Let's just keep it to the internet, right? Yeah. So when did the relationship start to go south with 50? Um, You know, I was tolerating a lot of undesired energy. Right. So it's hard to pinpoint the moment, but when it was obvious is when um, the first time he ever went live in history. Right. Um, on This Is 50, mm-hmm. Banks and Yayo was his wingman at the time. He had been advertising that he was going to be live for the first time on This Is 50 for quite some time. He had a countdown, and when he finally uh, went live, the first few questions were about me, and he got extremely pissed off, went off on the fans, told them they didn't know how to ask good questions. And said some uh, his face. He looked at highly disgusted. And uh, the fans want to know about the shit that you're not talking about. You know, they want to know about the details. Like if you were pushing it. an artist for a while and then you stop pushing the artist, of course the fans are going to want to know about that artist. Yeah, I mean, it, or they could have been wanting to know why you were pushing. The thing about it is, that's what they wanted to know. Like you say, and he didn't like that. Right. He's it's such a queerdo move. He got two of his artists with him. So I I know you wouldn't have said that had they asked about either of them. Mm. But the first question is about me and you was irritated. He went on to state to them that I don't, I have plenty of music, including Beautiful World out. He said, I don't even have an interesting record out at the time. Mm. So that's when, you know, I've never seen Chevy talk bad about the Impala or the Malibu. Mm. So when I realized, you know, that's when I was up under that type of uh, regiment, I knew what I was dealing with. Right. Yeah, it's crazy, too, because it's like when you look at the trajectory of how G-Unit went, it was like, you know, the early artists that he was pushing, like Banks and Game and shit, he was on tons of songs, even the Buck album. He was on a bunch of songs. He was really working. He was giving them hit records that he knew were going to be hits. He like, did yeah. the same with me. Yeah? Yeah, same with me. I put him out finally uh, last year, and he, he he got him cease and desist. So those band. records never actually made it. Yeah, because we never really heard any like banger records with you and Fifty back then. Really, we had about we had about seven or eight. A couple, of but them. I was happy they weren't cut. They couldn't come out. I mean, that was what they was. You know, yeah, it was supposed to be for the album. Right. Damn so, it, he still cease and desisted it even yeah, after all these fucking years, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mario, and Mario on his media team sent some letters to the digital distributors and have it pulled down. That is hilarious. Yeah, but go check out the lost tapes. The songs with Fifty, they still on YouTube. Y'all can bump them. But the Lost Tapes, the project is still available for download. Right. Well, I just took them songs off, and it's, it's out there floating, though. Right. That's just crazy to think, because, I mean, when you look at the relationship, of, like, did you think that you were going to get a similar push to what he had done for a game? Indeed. Yeah. Definitely. He, he gave me a, he verbalized a whole lot of uh, plans and intentions he had. He told me that my record was done and ready, 1699, prepared for sale. And it was time to roll out. And, you know, if you look at it, what, what, he, what he proposed to do for me, he hasn't done for anyone after me. Mm. So I don't take it as personal. It was like the Yayo album didn't sell. And then he never really got behind any of his artist projects too well, tough we, after I, that. We, all those are symptoms of the actual source of the issue. The issue was he tore his ass with Jimmy Iovine. Mm. And when he tore his ass with Jimmy Iovine, his music success ceased, period. What do you mean tore his ass with Jimmy Iovine? Um, there was a certain protocol 
uh, that the defiant ones had set up the way things went at Interscope. And uh -huh. he didn't want to fall in line. He tried to do things his own way. Really? Because he yeah. was getting too powerful. He, he tried to jump over Curtis, everybody. Curtis Interscope Jackson. Mm. He, was, he had a misconception. It's crazy to think if 50 had fallen in line with what they wanted him to do and everything, would we be looking at 50 more like Eminem now? Because Eminem is the one dude who still can sell an insane amount of records. He still has that shelf life, but what, what he's had a very calculated, intelligent career in the sense that he disappears for long periods of time, comes, keeps coming back out. Clearly the albums are A&R defunct. There's a lot of thought putting into him, putting into making hit records and stuff. You look at 50, he went the wrong way. He wanted to do his own thing. It's well, really interesting to think about could 50 be more like Jay-Z right now if he had fallen in line with Interscope? Oh, definitely. That's crazy. Most definitely. 50 explained to me that the reason why he was successful and that we were successful and we're going to be successful was not because of the quality of the product. It was because of the strength of the machine and the system that we were attached to. And he described it as if we did a dub, we still okay. Not that we would do one on purpose, but we're going to be okay. And then shortly thereafter, <laughs> he decided to self-destruct before I self-destruct and uh, he had decided to go into a negative encounter, business-wise, whatever you want to call it, with dude. Interesting. Yeah. And sort of all came from that. It was a time when in the back, behind the scenes in our camp, 50 had a song he was playing, threatening to put out, where he was saying he saw Jimmy Iovine and Drake kissing. That's how <coughs> bad his blood was with Jimmy Iovine. And now, you don't believe that that's anything that actually happened? You think he just wanted uh, to stir shit up? He used to play everybody that... Um, that would have been viral. Everybody that's, that was around at the time know what I'm talking about. He played it plenty of times. Really? Yeah. <coughs> Interesting. You think Dre's gay? It's none of my business. Right. There's been a lot of people... Tupac said it a lot. He did, huh? Shook said it a lot. <laughs> I was watching the Snoop roast the other day, and uh, Tony Henchcliffe made that joke on stage, and I was like, Oof, I haven't heard anybody uh, joke around about that in a minute. I mean, you know, Tupac said it a lot. Uh, Shook said it a lot when I was there. There was a rule, like in the um, office, that if you go to say Snoop Dogg's name, you, you immediately correct it and say you'd be told to call him the bitch. And for <laughs> Dre, you would be immediately corrected and be told to call him the fat. Wow. You couldn't even say their name in the office without getting corrected. That's crazy. When you look at Suge in retrospect, do you see him as like a just an evil mastermind, mind control ass cult Not type of coup? Dude, no? Because no? no, no. stuff like that seems really weird. Like he's trying to create this like cult mentality with all of his dudes, huh? Well, it was just like, now I won't say you couldn't. That's why I say you would just get reminded. It right. wasn't like you bet not. It was like, oh, you seen Dr. Dre had this come out? Oh, you mean the fact? Mm. Snoop Dogg gonna be at the. House Blue, oh, the bitch. Hmm. It was just a constant. You would never get away with calling them by their name without being reminded. No, that's just their real name. There was a permanent picture up on the wall defaming both of them. Really? Yeah. What was it? It was like cartoon characters are representing them like feminine, like a pig. Like they, Dre had the characteristics of a pig. And then I think, uh, I think Snoop had like some female clothes. Well, I can't remember, but I just remember it was a picture on the wall like dissing both of them. And they yeah, that's kind of like weird and obsessive to me. A little much. I'm not gonna put my ops on the I mean, wall. I'm gonna forget about start, it and just not talk about it. You start playing with a million dollars in your thirties. That's what you get. Right. And you start going to prison at, in your thirties. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, crazy. Um, the the buck buck versus fifty on social media. I know you're watching this shit just like everybody else. 
We got to get you to talk about your thoughts. On I just this whole see thing. how the boy Fifty run. He, he, he ran the play. I've been ran. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm. I, I say, <laughs> don't miss this movie. I'm controlling the whole shit on this whole nigga head for all that trolling and whole shit. Yeah, Fifty got me blocked on social media. Because mm, you've been trolling him, you've been yeah, be dropping yeah, comments left and right. Yeah, yeah. You've been getting thousands of likes on nigga. the comments on the well, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I know the business. When I he, when I know, I knew something was up when Vivica blocked me. But it's obvious that he gave Vivica Fox a gag order and a bag of money. Really? Yeah, because she was talking about um, his sexuality in a very questionable manner, <clears> very <throat> loosely in public, and then she just ceased out of nowhere. Mm. You she, think you think fifty's really gay? It's none of my business. <laughs> but I know this. I speak about facts. Fifty was on a talk show where the homosexual host, Caucasian man, made him aware that when Vivica Fox <laughs> was on the show just not too long ago, that she indicated that she believed that he was gay. And 50's response was, oh no. Because I let her have sex in my asshole, she thinks I'm gay with her tongue, the way she... Right. So, my thing is this. He somehow has let Vivica do something to him that he feels has some type of gay aura to it. I don't know why he would go but to that. Do you think letting Vivica A. Fox eat your ass is gay? No. No. I'll probably let her dig around in there. I mean, this is my thing. I don't think 50 Cent thinks that's gay either. Right. I don't think he presumes any. I think that was he, he came up with it was so quick. That was so we can get deflect from what she was really talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. That's smart. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Interesting. 50 is weird, too, because you never really you rarely see him connected to like big star females publicly. Man, check this out. Fat Joe called 50 Cent a Google faggots. <laughs> Fat Joe swears that there's a gay mob that runs hip hop. Mm. They're BFFs now. Man, I feel like I just keep getting into the rap game, but I still haven't really been turned on to that. I keep waiting for somebody to have a meeting and try to convince me I have to join this gay cult. And I'll be like, no, nah, I'm straight, bro. I mean, I've just seen Fat Joe speak like he's convinced hmm. that is fully aware of it. I just feel like if that was the case, then they need to tap out, tap in the Buck Jenner. Hmm. He could run it. He could be the face of it. Right. You feel me? Somebody need to motivate him to step into his truth. Yeah. The Buck thing is wild. Super wild. <laughs> Super wild. When did you start to become aware of the fact that he might be into that? And you, you think that there's any sort of recovery path for him in rap? I don't know oh, if yes. people are happy oh, yes. to, oh, to yes. accept that. I mean, look at Love and Hip Hop. Every hip hop show has a super gay element. There's a big, if he has the courage to accept who he is, there's a, he could be the biggest thing in the game. That's right the now. whole problem. If if Young Buck came out and did a DJ Vlad interview or a No Jumper interview, by the way, that would be great. But for some reason, the DJ Vlad interviews is funnier for me to imagine. And if it was titled Young Buck Comes Clean About Transgender Out the Closet Thing, blah, 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 you would have people left and right. Twitter would love him. To the coaching. fact that he doesn't seem like he wants to talk about it is the weird part. Yeah, he's, that's what I'm saying. He's scared of money. Talk all that money talk. We already caught you with your hand in the cookie jar, and now you're scared of the money. Mm -hmm. I can see if you had a secret to keep quiet. It's no secret, bro. You think you finna fool the world that you wasn't in love with Greg, then you you think we crap. But that's like 50. He tell the fans, y'all don't even know how to ask good questions because they ask. He said, what the fuck kind of questions are these? Right. So they think they can just tell people anything, and sometimes it appears that they can. I was surprised that so many grown men came up to me used to ask me, was Olivia a man? 
That was always a weird. That was the that was one of the finest women I had ever. She was been. bad, right? Oh, she was bad. She was tall and shit, right? Short. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, short, pretty feet, pretty face. No I could blemishes. see how people could maybe if you looked at certain photos never, of her in a weird never. angle. I saw what they were saying, but it was also so obvious. I never that heard she... him say it. Only heard him say it. Who? Doja. Oh, really? Okay, he's the only one. Who's... Only one. You would just see it in the comments and stuff that people love because to troll about that. That's where they got it from. That's where they got it from from him. Right. Yeah. So you were were you, you had beef with Game before G Unit and then were briefly cool with him for a period of time and Not then fell out. No, me and Game were cordial, and I, he was in. I got to G Unit and he wasn't receptive. And um, well, well you're actually, the big blood and you're the big star of the show, and then they're like, "Oh, we gonna bring this crip in too." It's yeah, kind of like, Ugh. yeah, and that's exactly how he proceeded from that point on. <laughs> but there's nothing actually, you know, worth pinpointing as an event that took place what, what actually happened. It was times when he was full-fledged GU not, mm. and then he would call my phone and ask me, could I get that 50 and tell him I'm throwing in the towel, don't nobody want to work with me, I can't get no white <laughs> folks to cut no checks because I ain't cool with dude. And then I would approach 50 with it, and 50 would be like, fuck that, because you know why? Tomorrow that nigga going to be on some, doing saying something different. Mm. And lo and behold, <laughs> That nigga be back on stage dissing again two days later. So, <laughs> yeah, so our relationship would have never been. I was going like when, when, when Game first started dissing G Unit, he would say positive things about me in the same songs. Mm. He was I, trying to make a, yeah, a connection. Yeah, a, sep a separation. And I tried to accept that. But you see the tattoo? Mm. So I'm from 970 East Coast. You can't diss my hood and say except for you. Mm. It don't work like that. We was out here G Unit moving and you G U not. It just didn't work, so it was just wasn't personal. You know what I'm saying? I could see if you was already G U not, then I jumped on. Nah, you were still G Unit before your album came out. Uh, Buck album hadn't even came out. I was there, so mm -hmm. it's a hard G Unit. You turned on G Unit. I was part of G Unit, so I'm gonna do what. I mean, what you expect me to do? If you saw Game right now, though, is there a chance that y'all would just laugh and just be like, "Man, that shit was stupid." I mean, if he's willing to laugh, I mean, I don't, I'm laugh at anything. What do you think it would be like, though, if you just happened to see him on the street? I, I couldn't, I don't know. You guys couldn't really be mad enough about it that you'd have to get aggressive right away, right? It's been so long. We're we going back to the last time we talked about these type of activities. It's not, I don't have no plans to do nothing to nobody. Right. I'm going to defend myself against any and everything, though. So, you know. Definitely. How do you feel about the state of... LA rap these days. There's a lot of rappers who've kind of popped off out of here. It was cold for years. It feels like over the past however many years, shit is really there's a big underground scene. You got mega stars like Kendrick and shit. What are your thoughts on the, the overall scene? I mean, because of the mega shine niggas like Kendrick got and then like, you know, the establishment of a neighborhood nip, you know, the success that YG is experiencing, and then the others on the level slightly lower than them. You know, you got the Roddy Riches and others of that nature popping up. You know, you got to be happy for our issue. We just want to keep adding to it and keep it cracking. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Is there anything you uh, don't care for in terms of what you see coming out? Because, you a know, lot. a lot, lot has changed in hip hop. Yeah, it's a lot that I don't like or a lot that's not my taste. I won't say I don't like because I try to refrain from um, describing others' art right. in a negative manner because art is just that. Right. <laughs> you go you go to <coughs> you go, you go to art exhibit. <coughs> Look at a million dollar painting and call it bullshit because it looked like a nigga just threw a gang of random colors on the wall. So art is art. It's you know, not all to my taste. And I think the general um, 
popular sound is not to my particular taste, but I think it's still room for what I appreciate the most to still shine. Cause niggas like Mozzie was doing it, you know, niggas like Nipsey. So, uh, you know, I ain't really with everything I hear, but I can appreciate some of that type of music too. Is it weird to see <clears throat> the game banging shit thrown around so much in the yeah, sense that a lot of it is just an obvious marketing thing? Well, I mean, you know, the whole gang bang thing is so watered down that, you know, it's just like, it is what it is. I don't have a passionate attachment to gang banging anymore. I really don't have a concern what uh, turn gang banging makes in general uh, as far as if they stick into the script of it or not. Like I say, I'm taking my only affiliation with gang banging back to the original essence of trying to do something positive within my community. And I just do that because I don't want to be a guy who has done it all this time and then now I want to act like, oh, that's not me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a crip. I'm not a gangbanger, though. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, Marines are still Marines, whether they at the barracks or, you know, in active duty, still a Marine. So if we have a, a Marine dance, you might show up to the dance, but that don't mean you finna be out there on the battlefield. So you go back to your old, yeah, you want that? You want, uh, you go back to your old neighborhood and you see some kid that maybe you knew him when he was a little kid. You knew him when he was five. Now he's like 18, and it's obvious that he's in the streets to whatever extent that he thinks the game banging shit is dope. Uh, how do you talk to him? What's, hey, Penny, what's the what attitude? I, do, I see you. Uh, I don't give advice. To, I mean, I, I give very, I give advice to my children, my small inner circle. Uh, if somebody asks me a question, I give them the most honest, applicable answer that I could find for the moment. I really live in the moment. I don't really know what nobody should do other than do the best thing you can do for yourself because everybody's not moving at the same pace. And I can't judge nobody um, activity in the streets. Cause mm -hmm. I took, I ran from private school against all type of counsel and advice and did whatever I wanted to the detriment of those around me, myself, my future, the success. Um, I think everybody that I'm responsible for perhaps will be better off at this point had I made better decisions in the past and I didn't allow no one's outside influence to cause me to uh, do anything different. So I'll give you advice as far as me trying to make sure you do whatever you're doing to the best of your ability. I got a record on my latest project, which is called Illiterate. It's called Doing Life. And um, part of the hook says, whether you're doing wrong or doing right, make sure you do it right. You know what I'm saying? So whatever you're doing, just do the best, you know, Cause when when your back's against the wall, and your family ain't gonna eat unless you run up in this grocery store and uh, stuff some steaks down your pants, who's gonna who can y'all tell you that that's not what you're supposed to do that day? <clears throat> so you know, just be careful. Right. And then it depend on my relationship with you. If I have a relationship with you, it warrants me getting that further in your business. Then I might have something. Uh, more edifying to say to a specific individual, but there's no particular warning message. I'm going to live my message. Mm. You see, I, you don't see me around here with that bullshit no more. Right. So if you can't see what I would prefer to see you do through my actions, then you might be a lost cause anyway. When I carry myself different, I like to see young niggas that pull up, hop in my pastor, see like, damn, SBI, what you got going on? What could I do? Man, oh, da, da, da. now if you getting at me like that, then I'm going to put you some game. But if you jump in the car talking about Hey, we bust on Wooty whooping him last night. I'm gonna tell you, you took him with you. You know he ain't. Right. That's what you. What is you into? Right. Crazy. Um, 
what do you got going on these days and what keeps you making music knowing that rap is a uh you know sort of viewed as like a young man's game a lot of like older dudes is sort of like they don't necessarily know how to continue to be artists as they get older what, what motivates you to keep putting shit out i have a uh, a now 11 year old son he's, he's 11 now shout out curvell he turned 11 july uh 29th about two years ago we was in a car i believe he tells me we was on we was somewhere else but uh i was just freestyling just bullshit freestyling whatever i see in the streets the blue car on the side of us trying to race. I'm looking at you, you got milk on your face <laughs> on the way to school, bullshit like that. Right. And then, which motivate him say, I remember in my memory, son, the way I see it, you were sitting in the passenger seat on top, you know how you got your hands under your thigh? Right. His feet couldn't even reach the floor, his feet was dangling. And I remember after I finished right, right, rapping, I, I hit a few corners, I remember him just like staring off into nowhere and he looked at me, he was like, you gonna start back rapping? I'm like, nah, man, I'm through. And he was like, that's when I seen him looking off into nowhere with his feet dangling in. And he just hit me out of nowhere. I was like, man, you still got it. It's been on ever since. That's tight there, 11 year old say mama, that. Mama, he, he, my son motivated me. My young son got me back in this shit. That's cool. That's tight to hear, honestly. Just cause like, <clears throat> you know, when you're at that age, it's like the idea that you might want to just give up something that you're passionate about might seem really foreign to him. Like he hasn't yes. even sort of got to that stage where he can imagine wanting he to step no away from something you're good at. The courage it took to jump back in it, mm. you know, but I asked their permission because the reason why I initially slowed down and laid it, laid, let it alone because I'm spot alone. Right. I got three, I got two 11 year olds and a son that just turned 13 yesterday. Shout out junior. Shout out Monster too, since we just talking about the boys. Right. Kermine, Curtis, and Curville. Curtis turned 13 yesterday on September 2nd. Mm -hmm. And um, when they were born, it was like, I lead by example. Certain things that I was comfortable just being, I couldn't set that example. So as, like two years ago, once I felt like they knew right from wrong and they understood me as their father, as the man I was, I just explained to them how well I could be an asshole and how marketable an asshole was and asked their permission to be spotted local again for business purposes. And they gave me their permission. To, I said, you might see me doing some things that you don't see me do. Some blue rags might come out and this, that, and the other. And right. I don't really mean it, though. And they told me it's cool. Go get the bag. That's tight. I respect that. Um, I wanted to ask you about this video that's on YouTube. It's called Spider Loke Brings the Paws Out. Oh, we. There's a Mexican dude at a gas station. <laughs> you just look like you fire on this motherfucker so fast. Like he starts saying something to you and you just uh, That's why ow! you gotta be careful what you see. That shit's crazy. What what did he say? What you happened? know that's a gas station surveillance camera. Yeah. So obviously they chose to cut it where they chose. Okay. That was evidence in the case against me. Oh, really? And they chose to begin the story right there. Uh -huh. The judge's name was like Rodriguez. <laughs> uh, the sheriffs that showed up were uh, Ruiz and Gonzalez. Oh, okay. Um, so the deck was stacked against stacked you. Stacked against me. <laughs> so I, it's no it's no wonder that the tape started right there. But to give you some backdrop, I had just finished a 10-day trip um, in Port of Prince Haiti on a mission trip. I got in town on a red, red eye flight. I had just given away everything that I possessed. And I was just in the spiritual highest level I could be realizing that having nothing, I had everything. So I want to let you know, 
I was in great spirits. Um, it was a simple pulled up to get some gas. Um, I was going to fill up my niece's car for her. So I was going, I went to pull up to get some gas. And because she picked me up from the airport and the dude, the Spanish guy, he was using the opposite tank for me. Like on my right hand side, he was using that pump. Right. I'm pulling up on my left side, use this pump. And there was plenty of space for both of us to access the pumps and do our thing. However, he came in at such a crooked angle, I couldn't get to the pump. So I'm talking about with no malice, no anger. He jumps out of his car to go pay for his gas. It's like a 30 pump station. He finna be in there for a minute. I'm like, bro, bro, I can't fit. Happy, hey, I can't fit. Happy, no problems. He like, oh, yes, you can. I'm like, no, bro, he's gonna like ignore me. So I get out prior to what you saw. I get out one time and say, hey, bro, I can't fit. So he like, come on. He goes back and walks back. I'm thinking he finna go get in his car and straighten up. Instead, he goes, gets in front of my car, like, come on, let me guide you in and show you you can fit. <laughs> I swear for God, dead homies on my mama mama. I get back in my car and try to wiggle through the little narrow thing. I can't fit. I'm like, bro, bro, I can't fit, homie. Right. He going to fan me off. And I'm just going to go pay for his gas. So you see it picking up from there. Now I'm getting out like, homie, you just finna go pay. And he threw his hands up. I don't, that might be your setup punch. When I seen his hands going up, I'm going to swing. Right. And that was that. And then it turned into like immediately, every Mexican in the gas station came toward me aggressively, seeing about what was happening with right. him. Like what's happening? They, they, they didn't even know him. He was in the car with his woman. Right. And they all came. So I'm like, damn, what's happening? Ain't, I'm looking, ain't no blacks. So I'm like backpedaling. I see about two or three blacks. I'm like, hey, my nigga, they trying to jump me, my nigga. They come over and like, that's one-on-one. That's between them. Y'all can't jump them. So now it's kind of like some even interest. I'm like, yeah, homie, let's get down. We can do whatever. So he don't want to fight or none of that. I go to get my car. My keys are missing. I'm like, damn, where my keys? The, uh, now it's a black, now it's a black Spanish thing. Everybody in the gas station is interest on that level. It's a black lady, older lady, non-confrontational. She drives past me and say, baby, don't get distracted. She got your keys. She put them back here. So that's why you see me go around, pull her pants down, trying to find my keys. Once I pulled this woman's pants down, that motivated him to make her up the keys and give them to me. No, he got them himself. But you also see it was a parking attendant. An older black man came out the gas station right, yeah. with the little uniform on. I thought it was a cop at first. Everybody make that comment, but yeah. just think about it. I would have I would I would have went to jail right then. Right, because you yeah. you punched the Come dude on. so yeah. hard right in front of the security guard. That's when I start really being like, oh, it can't be a cop because he would have yeah. arrested you. But dude came out, he was like, uh, he had, he had, he addressed, he was approaching the crowd as if he was an officer. And everybody was like respecting the um uniform. And I'm like, in his ear, I say, bruh, I know they didn't call the police. I say, he got my keys. I say, I need my keys. So he started telling them, you can't take his keys. That's a robbery. That's a robbery. So when he told him that, the man got nervous and produced my keys. So bam, I'm like, all right, I'm finna go. When I go to leave, the, uh, I see my phone. I had a brand new phone. My phone is shattered. So I grab my phone, the, the, the couple little black dudes that was there with me. I'm like, damn, what happened to my phone? They say he stumped on it. Oh. So that's why you see me come back and hit him again. Because he stumped on my phone. Wow. 
Shout out to whoever them niggas was in the gas station because they they jumped on the trunk, tried to dangle their legs and block the uh block my license plate from me. You know what I'm saying? Everybody did what they did. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't nothing, got no problem with no Mexicans. But when I had a problem with this man who happened to be Mexican, the other Mexicans came to support him. And it looked like it was going to be a bad That's situation. That's some L.A. ass shit right yeah, there. Yeah, oh, my mama, mama. <laughs> the whole gas station becoming a race riot oh, is mama, such mama, an L.A. Mama. thing. <laughs> I found it um, ironic that the way that footage hit <coughs> the internet was through 50 Cent putting it out. Oh, for real? Yeah. It makes it you look like a badass, though. Why would he put that up? He's being sarcastic. You know, they see me in the Honda Accord. Look uh -huh. like I'm losing my mind. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, I told you this dude been crazy. This buddy, look, look at it. He crip. He laughing at it. You know, because there was a slight chance that the sarcasm could have been just 50 cent. I got in his DM. I hollered at the same person who he got the footage from. And everybody I knew that was in contact with him, like, well, you know, let's holler. He didn't take no holler. So right. I took it just how he thought it was. It was trying to be funny. Further to know it backfired. It was booming so hard on his page is why he took it down. Right. You know what I'm saying? So... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He, he, this nigga used to love to tell the story how when he came to California initially, he was right with the cartoonist, uh, the tattoo, tattoo artist cartoon. Mm. He remembered they needed some gas. We got to get him on. And they drove, yeah, shout out to cartoon. Uh, he said he remembered driving past 13, 14 gas stations and wondering why the fuck we didn't just go right there then asking cartoon, like, why we didn't go to that gas station the last? He was like, no, nah, LA gas stations is violent, woo woo. It used to blow his mind how violent gas station was. So I know he was really interested into that in that in that um those scene because he was always intrigued about how at LA gas stations it could just pop off at any moment. That's real. You go to the gas station and you you definitely want to be making sure it's all boring looking people. You don't right. want there to be no young dudes when you get out of the gas station, yeah, right? Our <laughs> sense we know boring or young at that moment, which ones to go to because of where they at. Right. And that's what cartoon issue was. I guess it was all enemy gas stations, so he'd be like, damn, we need gas. We had to bust a U-turn and pass 13 gas stations to get to where it was cool to just jump out this deep and be here for 15 minutes. Right. Because, you know, you know, we caravan and it's going to be a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. I also wanted to ask about, um, there's a video that says, it's called Spider-Loke ambushes the game and Snoop at West Coast Peace Conference video. You ask good questions, man, because everybody act like it's clickbait because of the word of ambush. But you didn't upload it. No, no, not So you, you didn't call it ambush. Well, somebody right? on my media team. But okay. I do have a YouTube channel, Spider Loke Most Easty. Okay. But Please it, subscribe. That was the part that seemed kind of odd, is that it didn't really seem like an ambush. It seemed oh, like you just kind of went there and talked I to him, right? That question, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, ambush is indicating I was uninvited and unwanted. The only person who seemed like you were unwanted was the the guard at the door. Yeah. <laughs> he was the only one who was really spooked. How, how, long, how long he held me up? About two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even yeah, that big a deal. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. You know, he didn't stop nothing, but the thing about it was that was a West Coast Peace Conference. Remember, I told you. Right. The nigga told me he he just he was mad at me because I was beefing with game. Mm. I wasn't invited. Right. Shout out solo from 11 May. What year is that? Maybe 2003? No, I met 50 in 04. I was already G unit. Oh, okay. So it was like 05, okay. 04. 05. So uh the homie called me. I guess he was leaving or had been there. He like, cuz you ain't coming to this shit. I'm like, what shit? They like everybody up here at the whoopty woop, whoopty woop. Having a conference, I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah. So I go. That's why you see me arriving. I didn't know I was coming in through the back door behind the stage. Right. I'm just coming. I don't know what's going on. So when I got in that door, I was facing the whole crowd. And Dale Dog from Main Street, Mafia for Life Records, rest in peace, Eastside Dog was up in front of the podium talking. 
So while I walk in, you see that it's already tension with the dude at the door, apprehension, nervous. I don't know what I'm finna counter. When I walk in, I'm looking in the crowd for comfortable eyes. Dell Dog up there talking. I go stand next to Dell Dog. Fuck it, I know him. You feel me? And he look at me, I'm like, he give me that. He like, look, like, he had the mic, he was saying his piece. This nigga Snoop Dogg get up on the uh, did mic. You did you have it on you at the peace conference? What's that? It. I don't discuss those type of things via 2005, media. statute of yeah, limitations. Right. A long time ago. You're goddamn right. Come on, man. Please. Please. Right. Just, I, I like the fact that this is a peace conference. It was a peace conference. And then sometimes peace is gained mm. through, you know, you know how it go. Through war. But okay. it's just safety. Like, I'm sure the people that was there with Steve Harvey had it on them. Oh, that's a good point. So if they're going to be in the building, why, you know, I don't I count, I don't count myself no tougher than anybody else. So if they're going to be weapons around, mm. I don't have no Teflon skin. That shit is funny as fuck. Wendy Williams is like, I'm here for spider loke. Appreciate it. Before she had all her work done and all right, that. Yeah. You feel me? Oh, my mama. That's mama. funny as fuck that Steve Harvey was there too, man. Yeah, Snoop Dogg up on the stage talking about these New York niggas out here fucking our bitches. They got the, yeah. Uh, Wally got 50 all on his nuts not knowing what type of thing he was really on. That's what that was all about. So what? what I wish that footage would pop up. What say was, you what, didn't say that. <laughs> so what, say you weren't crying about the New York niggas coming out here fucking all the L.A. bitches, nigga. This type of shit niggas be on. So oh, wait, my, what, mama, mama. What, what was the, the conversation like between you and Snoop there it was and everything? Real. I say, my nigga, check this out. I don't know if you know who I am or not, but I was fucking with Suge, and you know how that nigga is, man. I want to let you know I said some shit that was, I don't know if you heard it or not, but it was real bad. I don't really feel uh, proud of saying it, my nigga. I don't think it was really right. I said, fuck with 50 now, and I just want to get out ahead of it, my nigga, and, you know, extend, you know, my apologies for letting that nigga influence me to do that goofy shit. And it was real warm, cuz, you know, he kept it like a man. He was like, cuz, I ain't tripping. Just keep it cripping, homie. We good. Whoop de whoop. And I thought it was like that. So that's why I was, you know, I thought we was cool. He did the record. I had the record. He shouted me out in the record. Mm. And um, next thing I know, Somebody asked him about me in an interview, and he was talking about, fuck that nigga with that bullshit. Oh, okay. So this was all before that. Yeah. yeah. So I thought we was cool. So my thing is this. I would have never accepted the apology if you had got about my mama like that. Right. So either he never really accepted the apology, or he just did some flim-flam booty shit, boo-boo shit. Either or. But... If I wasn't gonna accept the apology, I wouldn't have pretended like I was. Because, mm. you know, if I had violated to that extent, I could have accepted that. You could have just told me that. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but when he came out talking about he wasn't fucking with me and G Unit can't save me because I had a rap beef with a pot root. You know what I'm saying? And this nigga, same nigga, had the whole Uncle Luke situation, the whole, you know, his crew and them was talking about fuck BG knockout and every nigga down with him, natural born killers. That is very reckless. How he going to tell a next individual how his career is going to transpire or how he's going to relate to another artist when every time you hear about two artists start to go back and forth in the hip-hop industry, they always say it's healthy for the culture. <laughs> when I get involved, niggas start <laughs> acting like hoes. Right. Now I can't have a battle. Right. Somebody speak up, challenge a chief. I speak back and they want to call a battle of beef. I'm just saying, I don't get it. I was just battling it. And nigga got scared and told me it can't happen. And 50 got scared. He ran 50 off, made 50 scared. 50 told me he don't squash nothing. Mm. It's yo, he was, uh, Doja was calling him a bunch of bitches and police and all that, rats and shit. And now I'm having an exchange with Doja and Snoop don't fuck with me because of that. And 
50 and Snoop ain't never missed a beat. Skip mm. the beat. If you can understand that, then I don't know. You feel me? What's the status of you and BG Knockout? <laughs> Cuz sit with the queerdos. Queerdo, what a word. Queerdo. Queerdo. On my mama, mama, on my dad, homies, and my daughters and sons, nigga. I drove to Vegas, nigga, and pleaded with BG Knockout, nigga, to take these little images of him on these videos with these dog puppy filters and these squeaky voices and these glasses he used to have on talking like a broad. I was like, cuz, this shit ain't cool, my nigga. You drove I, to Vegas to ask him to stop using Snapchat filters? No. I drove to Vegas, and when I got there, I asked him to have other, oh, you know. Probably. But that was part of, I was going to see him. Okay. I, have a, I have a record that just came out. Uh, um, well, EP, a, a record came out on my latest EP, Illiterate, called Understood. The last line of the first verse says, used to flood to swap me with my CD copies. Niggas nutty on my block like BG Nockies. Should have said Geechee Gotties, but it said BG Nockies because his time you've been in the game and the whole record is like establishing myself as who I am and where I've been. So I was referencing his neighborhood, play on words. Right. He get a shout out. So I had intended to shoot the video some time ago. So I was going to get cameos from the people I mentioned here and there. So I was really coming to holler at him to get the video. We shot the shot. Still got the footage of us shooting with the SPI. He looked good in that SPI t-shirt, you feel me? On Crip. But anyway, uh, I thought Cub was the homie. But anyway, I used that trip as an opportunity to let him know this ain't a good look for your image, bro. Mm. He got offended. Told yeah. me he don't care what I think. He don't, I said, man, I can't vouch for this. I said, man, I'm, I'm talking about the original, the real Compton City G's knockout. That's the nigga I can vouch for. He like, I ain't looking for no nigga to vouch for me. Fine, all right. But I bet you can't find that one of the motherfuckers on his page, though. So you welcome, Crip. <laughs> so you it's, welcome. It's not real beef, it was just a little thing? I don't, I don't have any beef. Okay. I, he, this is a nigga, look, this is this the thing. A nigga spent hours and hours in a studio with me. Hmm. Uh, we got tons of music together. When I say tons, it ain't tons. I say about 10 songs. All on my projects, my studio time. We was cool. He, is, he claims a lot of niggas as brothers that ain't his brother. But he approached you to where you think it's his brother initially. Mm. So the nigga, when I was, once again, going back and forth with Doja, the nigga TJ Santana, the Young Hawks, had did a record where he invited me and Doja, y'all telling us, we need to, y'all, he's like, he like, my brothers, look what y'all started. Somebody gonna be dearly departed. He telling us we need to stop beefing because we gonna be somewhere overseas. There's gonna be some bullets flying and the person who get hurt is not gonna be me and him. He's doing a record about this. On the record, he gets to talking at the end. He says, like, man, I can't believe it. I was in an L.A. club. I already seen some niggas walking around the club talking about G-Unit Crip, G-Unit Crip. <laughs> he said, I can't believe it. He like, cut this shit need to stop. He like, Spider, gang, y'all both bigger than me. So if y'all see me, y'all want to beat me up, go ahead. I was going to take him up on that invitation. Let him know. And then when I see you, expect that, whatever. Mm -hmm. BG Knockout. Beg, pleaded with me not to do so. That's my brother. That's my brother for the whole shit he did. Gave him a pass. Um, I became aware of the fact that Drayster was a pedophile during the Blue Room days. Um, Drayster had spent quite a time in the Blue Room prior to that. When I stopped allowing him to be there or stopped, not saying I stopped him from coming, when I stopped inviting him um, and people, were, I was on spotterlook.com back in the days or wherever I was on, they asked me about him. I was candid about the reason why I'm not going to be dealing with him no more. Uh -huh. So it would be on the net, Spider says so-and-so about Drayston. 
I didn't even know that about Dre Shit at all. BG, he's on Megan's Law. BG knock out, call me, and plead with me to not be discussed. He tried to explain to me how the situation ain't like he was no creep or whatever. It wasn't like that, whatever, whatever. I just explained to him, look, I got young daughters, and I just advise, I would advise them, if they on there, you got to steer away. So I ain't got time to be a caseworker, my nigga. So I had to disassociate myself because I'm going to tell my daughters anybody on there ain't no good. So that's all it was with me. But I will stop speaking about it in public. So down years later, we do all these things. One day I look up scrolling. This nigga on 50 Cent page typing a paragraph, happy birthday. Uh-huh. I call cuz fuck 50 Cent. What you mean, Spider fucking? Yeah, nigga, you all on this page sucking his dick. Cause I thought you was the homie, cuz fuck her. He like, cuz, you know what? I ain't even look at it like that, cuz. You right, you right. I was just, I don't even know, cuz. Only thing I know about him is he fucked with you. Yeah, fuck cuz. All right, bam. Year later, he up to the same shit. Mm. You a queer, though. But do you even think, like, do you really expect that of BG? Now, I got that you're so close with him that he should give a shit I about did. your beef with no, 50? I, I don't have any beef with anyone, sir. Well, your issue. Yeah, I, I just, you know, that's what, you know what a homeboy is? Yeah. A homie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, he jumped. What, what was his, why was he dissing Snoop and Dre? Right. Huh? But you got beef with some of the most legendary people in hip-hop, so it's kind of hard is, to avoid Who was Snoop and Dre? Yeah. Right. Well, it's the knockout. I mean, what business of that was of his? Yeah. He know how this shit go. We had did tons of records together. The, the, te- the texture <laughs> of our music is aggressive. I don't, we had already been in my studio on tape clowning another nigga for getting knocked out. Mm. Like, I, I'm not finna sit in my studio on Troll with you on some gangster shit or some manly shit on some street shit. And then it's, it's just protocol. Like, it, look, this is what it is. Me being ignorant, expected a lot more out of a whole lot of niggas that wore khakis and t-shirts mm. on me and was from legendary neighborhoods. I thought y'all understood. I was the last one to figure out this was a game, a goofy nigga was pretending. <laughs> I showed up to the water gun, paint gun shootout with the real gun. I didn't know it, my bad. Uh. It just took me a while to figure it out. Do you think BG Knockout in that case though is really just giving 50 love as a fan? And yes, that there's a, a big old that, fan. but there's a line there. It's like we're all like we look at, you know, I can't look at Snoop as just a dude. I look at him as a fan. I was a fucking fan of the music. It's like once you really are in the game, it's all of a sudden becomes kind of hard. Like for you, you're never gonna be able to just look at 50 objectively as his music because you know. I will, yes, shit. I will. No, 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 you got me. But it's hard to separate. Bro, let me tell you something. I love that song. Uh 21 questions? Your, no, bite it to your peach and um, dun, 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 dun. It's, it's Doja. You know, when it come on, it's his latest single that was on the radio like last year. Oh, really? Yeah, like, I mean, it's like, what are you talking, singing to the little broad about, you know? 50 got new shit? I no, ain't, I, I that's what I'm saying. I'm telling you about, I, I don't have to like you to say I like your music. Right. So I'm telling you what I like from someone that I don't like. I haven't heard nothing from... Not 50 is outright whack. <laughs> but he's not even known for his music so anymore, right? you brought right? up his music. So you asking me about my opinion of it, and if I was not going to... I'm just saying, if I don't... I'm not going to say because I don't like him, his music is whack. Right. Just because you have an opponent, you don't have to downgrade their abilities. Right. I feel like the more worthy the opponent, the greater their success when you outdo, accomplish, or the more of a challenge that you are willing to take on. I don't have to downgrade anybody in order to establish my issue. You could be the greatest rapper in the world and still be a piece of shit. Mm. 50, you you, you tell me a dope 50 line. I mean, it's been a while. Thank you. But he still still records. He still has records. Right. 
But tell me the dope one that's from back then that you really appreciated from an MC standpoint. Yeah, he put me on the spot, man. Thank I was you. fucking. I was really into the whole mixtape era you. before his albums even started coming out. To be honest, Thank I like the first two albums, but the mixtape stuff was I mean, really like the albums. Yeah, we like the albums. The albums are cool. Saying, you asked about. I liked uh, him when he was on over all the soul beats and shit on them tapes. When he's trying to rap like uh, Jay Z, you know, yeah. that's when I was really going for Fifty. To be honest, I mean, you know, I was going for him when he was going for me. Right. <laughs> Real talk. Um, my, 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 my. I got one more name I want to ask you about. My boy Bosco. Bosco. Yeah. Bosco, no honey. <laughs> the Instagram model <laughs> who feels like nobody is cuter than him. He, uh, he does like looking at himself in the camera. Oh, man. He, everybody's ugly. He's the only cute motherfucker <laughs> that for some reason just had to get my attention and speak on my hair. Yeah, you guys have been going at it a little bit, huh? Um, no, I mean, just the thing about it is I have no interest in <clears throat> doing nothing that has anything to do with dude. Mm. Dude went out his way, first of all, to speak on the size of my blunts. I figured it was a cordial, uh, I'm watching. So I laughed that one off, ha ha ha. Came on my uh, little live with a big blunt. I'm like, uh, I got you, we smoking big now, whatever, whatever. Did a little deal with Cleopatra Records. I spent a little, my first little money on a nice little, you know, weed's kind of cheap out here. Sold some, smoked some, but I posted a picture of a big bag of weed, added him, come through my nigga, we on now, smoke. Uh -huh. He liked the picture. I'm thinking we cordial. Next thing, he come out discussing my appearance. First of all, because <laughs> on my mama, mama, I don't understand that. I don't understand no man interested in what no other man looked like. Right. Uh, then they approach me, yo, what I think your theme is supposed to be unlock you on the yard, politicking. Just in general, in respect. I know you be a clown or whatever, but we on the yard. Leave the Crips alone. Right. You gonna shoot a joke and we kinda cool, we cool, but it's gonna be a level of respect. When you start calling yourself talking down or disrespecting me, that's something different. But I don't engage in jokey joke, but I jokey joked with him. Mm -hmm. My hair short, my dick long. I wanna fuck your mama, your mama thighs thick. You know what I'm saying? And you start discussing my career and all that. Then we can talk about the other things I've seen about you. Mm. You got only nigga I know famous from running from my ass whooping and getting your ass whooped. Swole up. And then I'm going to tell you how desperate he was for my attention. Mm. Over 10 years ago, right from my studio, going live and on a number of interviews, my artists used to go back and forth, rest in peace, payback with Bosco, no honey. I used to be in the same room I would never engage, never said nothing negative about him, never even acknowledged I watched it, had it happen or nothing. And here it is 15 years later, 10 years later, whatever it is, that's how he chose to address me. It's cool. I remember he used to go back and forth like a bitch with payback. Right. You, all you got to do is put big payback and Bosco, no honey, in a YouTube search and you'll get to see what I'm talking about. Do you? Is it hard for you to deal with the fact that there's so many people who are in the rap world and they're really just kind of trolling and having fun. Like, you know, even Bosco, you could compare that to what 50 does, but 50 just loves just getting messy on Instagram and just talking about everybody's like, business like and bitches shit. Do. Is that kind of hard for you to accept that that's just a thing now? Not at all. I'm glad that I have issues with a couple of the trollers. I was the original troll. Mm. I was doing this before 50 even knew what a computer was. 50 used to look over my shoulder and be like, Spider, you're talking to your fans right now? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you lying, B, that's ill. Hey, y'all, check it out, check it out. Spider's live, he's on the, on, the, on the computer, talk to his friends right now. He want to give Soldier Boy the credit. You know I showed you this shit, Curtis. <laughs> oh, my mama, mama, nigga. 
spotterloke.com. I love the internet because everything is dated. Right. Uh, oh, hip hop, no. You know, the, uh, the West Coast riders, those sites, they know, people know. That was my wave. Right. I give him the credit for what he introduced me to, but for some reason, you know, he makes my presence a lot larger because he speaks about everything he went through, everything he encountered, There's very little conversation here. Because uh. when you speak about this, you have to talk about how bad you fumbled. He was blessed to experience what it is, the story that the creator is writing in my life. Right. This is the special shit coming over here. I've never been a 50 Cent fan per se, but I can tell you that within moments of him hearing me do what I do, he offered me everything that you saw me go through it. Right. I blew his mind. You can never go through his whole life, whole career, and see him ever reacted to anything in that fashion before. He's very selective. Right. Yeah. That's what's up. So, uh, anything you want to promote that you got going on right now? Or? Uh, the EC as a single, you got to go tap into that. It's uh, some of the hottest shit out. Shout out JP Bangs on the beat. Um, Politicking is available on all digital platforms. The Wake and Bake soundtrack is available on all uh, platforms. Illiterate is available on all digital platforms. The uh, first single off of that with E40, Angela Manzetti, uh, Let It Play It Through. Understood is the street record. Just go tap in Spot of Luck Most Easty on YouTube. That's my channel. The Wake and Bake Show goes up. Fabulous Fast Food Friday is another little um, segment we do on there. The IG is Spot of Luck Most Easty, the number seven. And we just, we moving around. We doing things. That's what's up. I appreciate the interview, man. It was definitely. No, I appreciate really you opening the doors. Yeah, yeah. And I just feel like people definitely are going to be excited for it for sure. So it's, it's, it feels good do, to, to feed them what they need, you know? Yes, sir. That good content. Uh, appreciate you coming through, uh, Spider Loke. It is what it is, man. I appreciate you for being here, man. Be about your money at all costs. There it is. Spider Lake, no jumper. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. Appreciate y'all. Bow.